We've got a triple grand and today. The title of today's episode is Body and Soul and Spirit. The Bible is incredibly interconnected with threads that run through it from beginning to end. In this podcast, I will uncover these threads, help you dig deeper into God's truth, and inspire you to live your life with greater confidence and joy. Welcome to Bible Threads with me, Dr. Bruce Becker. Let's start with a question. How many parts of you are there? Okay, that might seem like a strange question. Let let me put it a different way. We'd all agree that each of us has a body, right? We've each had one starting with our conception inside our mother's womb. And it's evident every day that we have a body when we roll out of bed in the morning and look in the mirror. You might not like what you see in the mirror, but it's a body nevertheless. But when it comes to a soul and spirit, which the Bible talks about and what I was getting at, we have to ask, are they the same or are they different? This question has been discussed and debated by Christians for centuries. It's really nothing new. For those who think that the soul and the spirit are essentially the same, they're referred to as dichotomous, a word that suggests two parts. For those who think that the soul and spirit are different and distinct, they're called trichotomous, a word that means someone who believes that there are three parts. So, are you a die or are you a tri? Let's see what the Bible has to say about body and soul and spirit. But let me tell you, though, you are probably going to have more questions than answers after you listen to this podcast. Let's start with Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, where we hear about God's creation of the first human being. It gives us some insight into body, soul, and spirit. This is what it says. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. So God's creation of the first human starts with God taking dirt or clay and shaping it into the form of a human. At this point, the man is just dirt. But then God breathed into him the breath of life. That's an interesting picture, isn't it? Now, we learn from Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27, where the same Hebrew word for breath is used, that breath is closely related to man's spirit. Proverbs says, The human spirit, or we could say the human breath, is the lamp of the Lord that sheds light on one's inmost being. Now, that's an interesting point. Just consider it. The human spirit is God's lamp that sheds light on one's inmost being. There seems to be a connection here between our spirit and the fact that God created us in his own image. So with this breath of life, the first human being became a living being, or as the King James Version translates it, a living soul. The Hebrew word for life or soul encompasses other facets of meaning as well. 
The word can be translated as soul, living being, life, self, person, but also desire, appetite, emotion, and passion. So what do we learn from Genesis chapter 2? Well, there's a human body. It's comprised of flesh and blood, has internal organs and the five senses, sight, uh, hearing, taste, smell, and touch. These are all material or physical aspects of human life. Spirit and soul are immaterial. You can't see either one. The soul comprises our desires, our appetites, emotions, passions, and the spirit is our connection to God himself. Let's explore this further as we look at other passages in the Bible to see where the Bible thread takes us. In the Apostle Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, he describes the Christian this way. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look at these three words in reverse order, starting with body. There are two key words in the original New Testament language for body. One is soma, and the other is sarx. Although at times the New Testament uses these two words interchangeably, there is a difference between them. Sarx is generally seen as meaning flesh. Sometimes the emphasis is on mortal flesh that is one day going to die. And even other times it refers to our sinful flesh. The context has to determine the meaning. On the other hand, soma simply refers to a material body, which in this passage refers to the human body. But let's also take a peek into the future when we will get our new glorified body in heaven. We will have a spiritual soma, a spiritual body, and no longer a sarks. What that spiritual soma looks like, we'll just have to wait and see. Next, we look at the word soul. The Greek word for soul is one I think you'll recognize in English. It is psyche. Sound familiar? The psyche, or soul, is the essence of our life in terms of thinking, feeling, and wanting. It's our inner self, our, our mind, our thoughts, our feelings. For example, in Matthew 26, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he told his disciples, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Another example, one where the soul aligns with the entire person, is from Peter's message, on Pentecost, he quotes the prophecy about Jesus in Psalm 16. You will not abandon me, literally, will not abandon my soul to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. It's a prophecy about Jesus' resurrection. So the soul is not the physical or material aspects of our life, but the immaterial qualities in our lives. Then there's the word spirit, which in the original language of the New Testament is panoima. This is another word I think you'll recognize in English, except in English we don't pronounce the P sound. Instead, for example, we say pneumonia. The P is silent. Although in the New Testament, panoima is occasionally translated as breath, most often it is translated as spirit, spiritual, spiritual nature, or even inner being. 
It's also used to contrast the divine with the human. It's a word used to describe the third person of the triune God, the Holy Trinity. It's used to describe evil spirits. It's also used of humans. When the Apostle Paul arrived in the city of Athens for the first time, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Literally, it says, Paul was upset in his spirit to see that the city was full of idols. Another example in the opening chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans, he described the gospel message he was going to share with them. Paul made a contrast between Jesus' body and his spirit. And this is what he said. Who, talking about Jesus, in relation to his flesh, was born a descendant of David, and who, in relation to his spirit of holiness, was declared to be the Son of God. As far as his body was concerned, Jesus was a descendant of David. As far as his spirit was concerned, he was the Son of God. By the way, this is one of the passages in the Bible that teach that Jesus became a human being, took on human flesh, yet was from all eternity God. So 1 Thessalonians 5 teaches us that there is a body, a soul, and a spirit. Three parts. And then we have Hebrews 4 verse 12, which sheds some more light on soul and spirit. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So what's this dividing soul and spirit referring to? First of all, I'm not sure that the NIV's translation of this verse is the most precise. Would you agree with me that the word dividing is a verb, an action being taken place? Of course it is. But the Greek word translated as dividing in the NIV is actually a noun. Literally, it could be translated as the point of division of soul and spirit. And yet, there's another way to translate it as well. Think of it this way. The point where something divides into two is also the place where two things meet. And that is another definition of this one word in Greek. So it could also be translated the point of meeting of soul and spirit. I think that's interesting. This nuance is captured in other translations of the Bible. For example, the English Standard Version, the ESV, translates it as piercing to the division of soul and of spirit. The God's Word Bible translation translates it as cuts as deep as the place where soul and spirit meet. Interesting, isn't it? But we still haven't answered the question of what does this all mean? I like what John Piper said about this verse. He wrote, Soul is the invisible dimension of our life, that we are by nature. Spirit is what we are by supernatural rebirth. Jesus said, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit, capital S, is spirit. Without the awakening, creative, regenerating work of the Spirit of God in us, we are merely natural rather than spiritual. So the spirit is that invisible dimension of our life that we are by the regenerating work of the Spirit. 
That's John Piper. Piper is echoing the Apostle Paul in his first letter to the people living in Corinth, the end of chapter 2. Listen to what Paul writes. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person? Uh, Let me just stop and, and make a comment. Remember, a person's thoughts, attitudes, emotion are all part of the human soul. I'll go back to uh, Paul. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Let me repeat something I said earlier. The soul is the essence of our life in terms of thinking, feeling, and wanting. It's our inner self, our mind, our thoughts, our feelings. And the Spirit? Remember what Solomon said. The Spirit is God's lamp that sheds light on one's inmost being or one's soul. In other words, the Spirit sheds light on the soul. That place where soul and spirit meet, it's where the Spirit shines a spotlight on the soul's thoughts, feelings, and desires. I'd like to look at another passage that distinguishes soul and spirit. It is what's known as the Song of Mary, recorded in Luke chapter 1. Mary, Jesus' mother, had previously been told by the angel Gabriel that she was going to give birth to the Son of God. Mary then went to visit her cousin to share the news. Her cousin's name was Elizabeth, and she was going to be giving birth to John the Baptist. Mary uh, said to Elizabeth, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Mary distinguishes between soul and spirit. Mary gives glory to God for his blessings. Her soul acknowledges the glory of God. And her spirit, that, that faith in the promises of God, rejoices that God was sending a Savior and that she got to be a part of it. Soul and spirit different but connected. As I was preparing for this podcast, digging deeper into how the Bible defines body, soul, and spirit, I started wondering whether I was precise enough in my past teaching of this trio of words. I'll give you an example. I clearly remember teaching that when a Christian dies, the body returns to the dust of the ground and the soul lives on in heaven. But I started to wonder whether, instead of having said the soul lives on in heaven, I should have been teaching that the person's spirit lives on in heaven. Well, this was bugging me, so I did a search of the Bible to find any references to either spirits in heaven or souls in heaven. The first reference I came across was what King Solomon said in Ecclesiastes. The dust returns to the ground it came from, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. 
Another reference from Acts chapter 7 was when Stephen, the first martyr, was stoned to death. Just before he died, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. A third reference in 1 Peter 3 speaks about Jesus' death and resurrection. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits. This passage refers to Jesus' victory tour before Satan and the evil spirits in hell. These three references suggest that the Spirit lives on in heaven. But then there is Revelation chapter 6, where the Apostle John witnessed souls in his vision. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. And then in chapter 20, there's another reference. I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. In contrast to the souls in heaven, there are the souls that end up in hell. Jesus himself said, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. No one, not, not any person, not, not even Satan himself, can destroy our souls. The only one who can is God himself. And he will only do that if we turn our backs on him and reject his son as the only way to eternal life. So the Bible talks about spirits in heaven and hell, but it also talks about souls in heaven and hell. How do we reconcile this? And where does this take us in our discussion of body, soul, and spirit? Let me share with you where I end up with all of this. Every human being has a body and soul. They are what make us human. But only those who come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior through the power of the Holy Spirit have a spirit that gives new life. The spirit is what changes the natural soul that every human being has into a spiritual soul. So when a follower of Jesus dies, the body returns to the dust of the earth and the spirit-filled soul lives on in heaven. That's where I end up. What about you? We started out talking about whether there were two parts to the human existence, dichotomy or three parts, trichotomy. It seems to me that if we are referring to our human existence on this earth, the Bible seems to speak clearly that there is a body and soul and spirit. But if we are referring to life in heaven, it seems that it is more in line with a dichotomy position. We will have a new glorified body reunited with our spirit-impacted soul. Again, what do you think? During the Reformation back in the 1500s, most of the Reformers held the dichotomy position. One exception was Martin Luther. He took a different approach. This is what he wrote. Scripture divides man into three parts, as says St. Paul, referring to the Thessalonians letter. And every one of these three, together with the entire man, is also divided in another way into two portions, 
which are called spirit and flesh. Then what I, I think is rather fascinating is that Luther goes on to compare body, soul, and spirit with the Old Testament tabernacle. Let me read what he wrote. In the tabernacle fashioned by Moses, there were three separate compartments. The first was called the Holy of Holies. Here was God's dwelling place, and in it there was no light. The second was called the Holy Place. Here stood a candlestick with seven arms and seven lamps. The third was called the Outer Court. This lay under the open sky and in full light of the sun. In this tabernacle, we have a figure of the Christian person. The Spirit is the Holy of Holies, where God dwells in the darkness of faith, where no light is. For the Christian believes that which he or she neither sees, nor feels, nor comprehends. The soul is the holy place, with its seven lamps, that is, all manner of reason, discrimination, knowledge, and understanding of visible and bodily things. The body is the outer court, open to all, so that people can see the Christian's works and manner of life. What do you think of Luther's analogy? For me, it helps distinguish how these are related and how they are different. So let's summarize body, soul, and spirit. The body comprises our physical or material functions, flesh and blood, brain, heart, other organs, our sense of sight, hearing, taste, smell, and touch. The soul, on the other hand, is our humanity that encompasses our emotions and desires. And it is our soul that expresses to others the love and glory of God. Our spirit, it's a deeper connection with our God. It is a connection that can only exist when we believe that Jesus, God's Son, became flesh like us in order to live perfectly in our place, die for us to restore the image of God, and who rose from the dead to assure us that we have a new life with God right now and forever. Body and soul and spirit. It's one of the grand ands of the Bible. One that is a bit complex, but one that is fascinating to ponder. I hope I've given you something to think about today. If you have any thoughts about this podcast, email me at bruce at timeofgrace.org. Have you checked out lately the other podcast shows available from Time of Grace? There are the podcasts of Pastor Mike Novotny, our lead speaker. Also, there are our multiple Grace Talks devotional speakers. And we don't want to forget Amber Albee Swenson's podcast entitled Little Things. They're all great. Check them out on your favorite podcast platform or go to timeofgrace.org to listen. Thanks for listening. Join me next time for the last episode from our Bible Thread series entitled The Grand Ends of the Bible. God bless.